Welcome to Ebenezer's Podcast, a podcast about hearing, understanding, and applying the Word of God to our lives. My name is Leighton Erickson, and I'm Ebenezer's Lead Pastor. Thanks for joining us today. Please check out our website at ebenezerbaptist.ca to connect with us and learn more about our ministries. I hope you enjoy the message. Good morning. It's really good to be with you today again. I hope you've been enjoying our summer series in which we've been highlighting some of the classic Bible stories, stories that you might have heard many times before, even in Sunday school, or maybe this is a first time for you hearing them t- it today. Our hope has been that as we revisit these old stories, we'll get a, a new and fresh understanding of who God is and how He wants to relate to us personally and to the world. Our story today is referred to in the Bible simply as the woman at the well. (laughs) Uh, This woman is never named, and that frustrated me somewhat as I was preparing for this. I felt like she deserved a name, but her story is no less significant because of it. And it certainly hasn't been insignificant to me. From the first moment that I read this story again, my heart was captured by this woman of Samaria. And my prayer since then has been that each one of our hearts would be captured by it as well. But more than that, that you and I would be changed forever because of it. Well, in order for us to appreciate some of the nuances that happen in the story, I need to give you some background and some cultural context. Now, if history makes you yawn, just please stay with me for a few minutes because it is relevant to our story. When Assyria captured the northern kingdom of Israel in 721 BC, some of the Israelites were taken into captivity while others were left behind. The Assyrians then repopulated Israel with people from the land of Samaria to the the east. Now these foreigners intermarried with the Israelite population that was still in and around Samaria, and the result of these unions was that these Samaritans embraced a mixed religion of both Judaism and idolatry. When the Israelites returned from exile about 200 years later, they found these Samaritans already settled in their land, and of course that didn't sit well with them. Add to that their brand of Judaism was not as pure as the Israelites presumed theirs to be. Despite the fact that the king of Assyria had actually sent a Jewish priest to Samaria to instruct them in the Jewish faith. Uh, One of the sticking points between Samaritans and Jews uh, that comes um, out of our story was over the place where the real temple was located. The Samaritans believed that their temple on Mount Gerizim was the true temple, and the Israelites uh, said no, it was their temple in Jerusalem. For these reasons and many more, there was a lot of bad history and feelings between these two groups. Samaritans were generally considered half-breeds and were universally despised by Jews. And while these groups uh, certainly had significant religious uh, practice and beliefs that they disagreed on, Culturally, they were not that different. Hospitality was very important to both Jews and Samaritans, and drinking and eating with someone was a sign of acceptance and oneness. But between these two races, there was no hospitality shown either way. 
It was also an honor and shame society, and you were either a person of honor or shame. There was very little in between. And if you were shamed, everyone would know, and so would you. It was also a communal society, and they did things together. They helped each other, and it was common for the women to gather together to get the tasks of the day done. And finally, men would not be seen, much less talk to, a woman in public. And for a Jewish man to share a cup with a Samaritan woman would have been considered a defilement. Why all this information about Jews and Samaritans? Well, because the only two characters in our story are a Samaritan woman and a Jewish man named Jesus. With this historical and cultural context, let's go to our story. I've chosen to share a dramatization of our story from the series The Chosen. If you haven't already checked it out, I'd really encourage you to do so. In fact, it was this scene in particular that caused me to go back and to the beginning of the series and um, just binge watch, actually, uh, the, uh, one whole season. So um, with that being said, our story is also found in the book of John, chapter 4. And if you'd like to follow along or, or even read it for yourselves later. Give me a drink. Did you hear me? That's bad, huh? What? You, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan, and a woman. I'm sorry. I should have said please. You know, it's not safe for you to be alone out here. Nor you. Why haven't you come with others? Why so late in the day? Don't women come to the wells in the, the cool of the morning? Yeah, well, none of them will be seen with me, so I have to come out now in the heat, as you have so kindly reminded me. Why won't they be seen with you? Long story. I'd, I'd still like a drink of water if you can spare it. Amazing what a parched throat will do. Aren't I unclean to you? Won't you be defiled by this vessel? Maybe some of my people say that about your women, but I don't. Yeah? And what do you say? I say if you knew who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink. Really? And I would give you living water. Would. Except that you have nothing to draw water with, and this is a deep well. 
Besides, what do you need from me if you have your own supply of living water? Long story. But Jewish water is better than Samaritan water. Hmm? That's not what I said. Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well? Your water is better than his? I know Jacob. And everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Wouldn't that be nice? The water I give will become in a person a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Really? Yes, really. Prove it. First, go and call your husband and come back. I will show you both. I don't have a husband. You are right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. <laughs> oh, I see. You're a prophet. You're here to preach at me. No. Usually the one good thing about coming here alone is I can escape being condemned. I'm not here to condemn you. I've made mistakes. Too many. But it's men like you who have made it impossible for me to do anything about it. How? Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship. They say that because the temple is there. Yeah. Exactly where we're not allowed. I'm here to break those barriers. And the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So, where am I supposed to go when I need God? I've never received anything from God, but I couldn't thank him even if I did. Anywhere. God is spirit. And the time is coming and is now here. That it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it in spirit and truth. Heart and mind, that, that is the kind of worshiper he's looking for. It won't matter where you're from or what you've done. Do you believe what I'm telling you? <laughs> Until the Messiah comes and explains everything and sorts this mess out, including me. I don't trust in anyone. You're wrong when you say that you've never received anything from God. This Messiah you speak of, I am he. The first one was named Ramin. You were a woman of purity who was excited to be married, but he wasn't a good man. He hurt you, and it made you question marriage and even the practice of your faith. Stop it. The second was Farzad. On your wedding night, his skin smelled like oranges. And to this day, every time you pass by the oranges in the market, you feel guilty for leaving him because he was the only truly godly man you've been with. But you felt unworthy. Why are you doing this? I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You are the first. It would be good if you believed me. Mm -hmm.
picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. <laughs> Do you think it's an accident that I'm, I'm here in the middle of the day? I am rejected by others. I know, but not by the Messiah. And you know these things because you are the Christ. I'm going to tell everyone. I was counting on it. <laughs> Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. It won't be all about mountains or temples. Soon, just the heart. <laughs> you promised. I promise. This man told me everything I've done. Oh, he must be the Christ! <laughs> Hey, wait! Your water! You forgot your um. What a remarkable encounter between Jesus and the woman of Samaria. I find myself almost reluctant to speak after watching this. So powerful is what we just witnessed. One encounter with Jesus, and a life was changed forever. But you know, actually the story doesn't end where the video does. And after the woman runs away, leaving her water jug behind, John finishes the story in verses 39 to 42. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, He told me everything I ever did. And when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their uh, village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. And then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not just because of what you said to us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he indeed is the Savior of the world. Who could have seen this happening? Certainly not the Samaritan woman. That was not what she expected to happen that day as she went to draw water. Only Jesus knew how the day would unfold and how it would end. I want to spend some time just making a few observations and comments that come out of our story. Our story begins long before this meeting at the well. It began years ago for this woman in Samaria. We are never told the details of her life, perhaps because the details aren't that important. But we are, what we do see is that there was a cr the cry of a broken and parched soul. This unnamed woman from Samaria had been through so much. She had already burned through five marriages and was now living with another man that wasn't her husband. However, when the Bible picks up her story, she has become, uh, she has become a broken and empty soul. You can see it in her eyes, in the stoop of her shoulders, in her voice. Five certificates of divorce had been given to her each one making it harder for her to trust, and each one writing the word rejected across her heart. 
what a toll this must have taken on her over the years. Some of us know what it feels like to be rejected. It hurts deeply and it changes the core of our identity. One of uh, the woman of Samaria's messed up life was a heavy weight that rested on her every day. She was reminded of her shame every time she went to draw water alone. And the separation from the other women in the community only deepened her aloneness and feelings of rejection. Now, I have never had five husbands. I can't even imagine. <laughs> However, I have experienced shame and rejection. There was a time in my life where two very significant people in my life dropped me out of their lives, despite a long history of friendship. Some of us know what it feels like to, uh, to be rejected like that. Well, I allowed the rejection to go deep into my identity. The shame of having been so rejected not once but twice was very painful. And I too needed Jesus to write a different name across my heart. Unfortunately, it took me 10 years until I brought that shame to Jesus and once for all gave it to him and embraced and lived out the new name that he wrote across my heart, accepted. Hurting people often look to other places and things to somehow deal with the pain. And Our Lady of Samaria had tried to fill her heart bucket with the well water her world offered, men, love, approval. Our wells might look similar to hers or they may look more like striving to belong, using our power to hurt before we get hurt again. We might lose ourselves in, in distractions to avoid the pain or relentlessly pursue, pursue success or influence. It doesn't satisfy our deepest needs any more than the love of the men had satisfied this woman. Jesus knew that her needs were not physical but spiritual and they would never be able to be met by the things of this world. That's why he offered himself as the living water, because he was not of this world. He had something to offer her that would actually heal her pain. And the interesting thing is that when we realize our own soul poverty, God is able to come and fill our lives with all the good things he has to offer forgiveness, love, joy, peace, belonging, and acceptance. I love that Jesus knows of her brokenness before he even talks to her. His love for her compelled Jesus to change his travel plans, to ignore racial barriers, and to defy cultural norms just to respond to her need. Jesus knew all about this woman's life and looked past her failed marriages to the deeper need of her soul that she couldn't yet see. You know, Jesus actually specializes in soul-sick people. In Mark 2, verse 6 and 7, he said, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Jesus sees our real needs before we see them as well. Sometimes we don't even know what our real needs uh, are. We just know that we feel empty or hurt or dissatisfied. And sometimes we need Jesus to identify it for us. 
The woman at the well didn't need another man to feel loved. She didn't even need the townspeople to accept her. She needed Jesus and the life he was offering her. John chapter 7, uh, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 10.10, 10, Jesus says, I came that they, mankind, may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. That is what she needed. And I'd suggest that is what we need as well. Jesus wants to bring us abundant life. He is the living water, but it doesn't come from this world. It only comes from him. You know, sometimes we have barriers that keep us from receiving Jesus' offer of abundant life. And the woman at the well had barriers as well that she needed to let go of before she could receive the gift that Jesus offered. Barriers like her shame and her fear of trusting again. As long as we hang on to our shame and fear, Jesus cannot lead us into the abundant life that satisfies uh, that deep longing. We have to give them to Jesus first. Jesus says in Matthew 8, 28 to 30, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Another burden our woman had was a false understanding of who God really was and how he wanted to relate to her. Don't we often have that same barrier? We have our own ideas and thoughts about who God is and don't even realize that, that they're wrong. And they keep us from him. For many years, I believed that God was deeply disappointed in me. Somehow in my years on a church pew, I had only heard about his judgment, but missed hearing about his love. And that misunderstanding kept me from really trusting him with my life until I was in my late 20s. The Samaritan's mis Samaritan woman's misunderstanding of what worship was also became a barrier between her and God. And her false belief that worship was about temples and location was a barrier to understanding that true worship is about our hearts engaging with the truth of who God is and what he has done for us. The Father uh, is looking for worshipers who will worship him with their heart as well as truth. To only know truth and never engage your heart is not true worship. This past year I've been struggling with feeling just plain tired, physically, emotionally, mentally. I knew this and I was working to address these things. But what I didn't realize till recently was that I was also spiritually weary and it was impacting the authenticity of my worship. I had sensed for some time that God was wanting to talk to me about that, but I resisted. <laughs> Not wanting to deal with the guilt and the shame that I was already having trouble pushing back. And finally, I allowed Jesus to open that door into my heart. And it revealed things that I was feeling but hadn't been able to identify for myself. It revealed that my joy was missing. My love for people was lower. 
My hunger for God's word was just not there. And my worship had been replaced by just doing the right thing. You know, interestingly, but not surprising, because I've been there before, <laughs> when I let Jesus come in and speak into my emptiness, he actually didn't bring with him shame and judgment. Instead, I felt compassion and love and acceptance. This is how God is continuing to heal my heart. Oh, my last comment about our story today is that truly changed hearts can't keep the news to themselves. Once our woman at the well knew the truth, not only about worship, but also about who God was and how deeply he loved her despite everything, once she allowed her heart to be changed by that truth, she could not keep silent. And the result was that many others came to believe in Jesus as well. How about you? Is your soul healthy or is it somewhat empty? Maybe you know without a doubt that your life is a mess and you need what Jesus has to offer. Maybe you recognize that your heart has not been engaged with the truth of God for a while. Your life isn't being changed and your soul feels empty. Maybe you can't even identify what your longings are. You just know that somehow you feel empty and barren. And you realize that you've been trying to satisfy that soul need in ways that haven't worked as you hoped. My question for all of us today is, are we willing to admit our need to Jesus, of Jesus, to him today? He already knows all about you and he won't be surprised and he won't condemn. He just wants us to recognize for ourselves that we need him, that our soul is parched, that we want him to come and meet us in our deepest place of need and thirst. God is waiting to do just that. Well, thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out our church website at ebenezerbaptist.ca. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can let us know by clicking like and by subscribing to our podcast channel. God bless you and thanks for listening.